Welcome into the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast. I'm Marley Weirda. Andy Olson is joining us from the road on a Bluetooth hands-free device as he wakes, makes his way back home from West Lafayette after another brutal loss for Illinois. They now extend their losing streak to four games, dropping 13-9 to against the Boilermakers. The Cannon Trophy staying there with them in West Lafayette for the second straight year. Andy, Illinois is coming back to Champaign without a touchdown today. James McCourt was the only guy that put points on the board. What are your some of your, some of your initial thoughts? You were there at the game covering it. I watched it on TV, mostly the end of the first half and the second half. What are your takeaways from Ross 8 Stadium? Well, thank God for James McCourt, because without him, Illinois would have been kept off the board entirely. It was almost a copy and paste from what we saw last week against Maryland. I mean, again, 55 minutes of great defense, uh, the offense sputtering, but able to do enough to at least stay in the game. Last week, I know you had the touchdown, two of them. To In fact, this week, you had none. Uh, so that's the really the only big difference. And then you have the ball in your opponent's territory. It's fourth down. You're leading in the fourth quarter. It's fourth and short. And once again, Brett Bielema decides to punt the ball away, play the field position game. And once again, it backfires. Purdue marching right down the field to get their only touchdown of the game. And Marley, you way you put it, brutal. It's back-to-back really brutal loss because, like, after Maryland, I think that's the only word that we had in our mind for how to describe that loss. And then today, it's, like I said, a a copy and paste of what happened (laughs) last week. And we were talking on the sideline, a few of the reporters that were also there, and we were discussing on that fourth and second, like, you can't possibly punt it again after what just happened last week. And lo and behold, you come out of the timeout with the punt formation, you put it right on the five, it's the exact same thing that happens. And something in me knew from someone who used to watch Illinois when I was younger, (laughs) coming back to it with uh, this awesome opportunity, uh, being reintegrated into the program. You just knew that that was going to be a touchdown. And that's exactly the way it played out. And now Brett Bielema's guys are going to have to find a way to rebound uh, before coming back home next week and playing a Charlotte team that is actually really good, has already beat Duke this season. They have the same amount of uh, power five wins that Illinois has. So it's going to be no no small ta- task next week. And I'm not sure how you refocus after the past two weeks, Marley. Yeah, and it's tough to imagine Illinois being in this position, I don't think, when they beat Nebraska in week zero, we would imagine. Um, sitting here talking about a loss to Purdue and especially the way that it happened. Andy, you talked about Brett Bielema's decision to go uh, punt to not go for it to choose to punt on fourth and two they were on the Purdue 34 yard line here is what he had to say explaining that decision well on fourth and two you're talking about at the end you know so we had just missed from the 36 the ball was really in the same position it was good uh, plus two I think uh, where it was we were going the opposite direction as rolling around what I didn't want to do we were up by three a little bit different uh, than the scenario last week um and it was a fourth and two. It wasn't a fourth and one. So I uh, felt we were going to have to throw the ball uh, to make that happen. Uh, we had gone for a third and four the series before, really kind of almost the same spot in the field and didn't convert. So um, I wasn't going to go fourth and two 
if we didn't convert, turn the ball over and give it to them. 35 was usual momentum, down by three. It just, I think everybody that talks about going for it, right, they're thinking about, you know, they're getting it, right? They don't think about what happens if you don't get it. I'm trying to win a game, right, not lose a game. And I know that sounds silly because we just lost it, but it, it, it's the decision that I would make 100 times over to go for it, pin it, put the ball in the five, a defense that's been playing that way the whole way. Uh, I'd do it 100 times over. Well, Andy, he explained his reasoning. I guess it's a a valid reason. This is why he gets paid $4 million a year. But I don't know. I think, you know, he talked about, okay, maybe having something to lose. But I don't think in that position they had something to lose. I, I mean, ignite a fire in these guys. Let's see them go for it. Let's see them make something happen and, and light a spark in this Illinois offense that has been struggling. What do you think? Clearly, at least from what I, I've gathered from what he said, he believed, he didn't say this verbatim, but I'm uh, surmising this from the way that he put things in at the end of Maryland and at the end of today's game, that he thought last week was a fluke. He, he clearly believes in this defense, and why not? The defense, as we've already said, has performed great in back-to-back games for 55 minutes out of 60. But it's those last five minutes in each of those games where they collapse. And clearly last week, he thought that that was just a fluke. It wasn't uh, anything. He didn't take away anything from that because he did the exact same thing this week and put the defense in the exact same situation. So instead of, you know, last week we were saying it looked like the defense was just gassed at the end of the game. There wasn't enough depth to cover for the, for the last five minutes of the game. And clearly, Bielema didn't think that was going to be an issue again because they were playing great this week. It was the exact same situation. He put them back out onto the field again. And again, it didn't work. And Illinois is coming back with a loss. So I wonder now if now will be the time that Brad Bielema takes something from this or if he believes this is another fluke. I'm not sure. But this is uh, – you have to clearly understand after that last game, at least it became evident to a lot of people and maybe – like he put it, maybe we in the media are not thinking enough about what happens if you don't make it. But we saw what happens when, when you uh, <laughs> when you give it back to them. They score anyways. It doesn't matter about the field position. So a very interesting decision because I feel like either you can go put more points on the board if you go for it and make it, or you can just ice the game entirely if you get enough first downs from that point. So I feel like in the balance of what you gain versus what you possibly lose – Clearly, visions, the vision is twenty twenty now. We know uh, they would have lost anyways if they didn't make the first down. So why not go for it? But you would have thought that Bielema would have known that after what happened last week. So it's just a really weird situation. I'm not sure if I've ever seen something like this. where We've had such brutal ends to the games in almost exact replicas in back-to-back games like we just saw. Yeah, and Andy... The Illini missed Jake Hansen today on defense. Certainly that could have um, played a role maybe to their struggle there late in the game. Uh, Chase Brown also did not make the trip. Andy, did you notice them missing at all? I know Josh McRae had one heck of a gain uh, game. Excuse me, I'm reading gain on the paper and <laughs> my mind got all jumbled. Josh McRae, 167, or excuse me, 150. 56 yards a career high for him um stepping in for an injured chase brown and jake hansen also not playing today andy what do you uh, make of that situation for illinois 
Yeah, Devin Witherspoon also not with the team. Jake Hansen did make right. the trip. I have to believe it's because he's a captain. So even though he wasn't going to play, Chase Brown, Devin Witherspoon stayed at home. But Marley, it's funny that those are really the two pieces of the team, the defense and the running game, that seemed like they were working perfectly fine. I mean, I know the defense, you have those last five minutes where I, you know the depth kind of played a factor and a role into them probably letting up that 95-yard touchdown drive to end the game for Purdue. But the running game, you already went over it. Josh McRae had such an incredible game. And it's – you look back and you think about when he signed. This this guy had – I don't want to say no offers. He had a few offers, but clearly none were committable because he was still on the open market as a senior in January when Brett Vilema took the job. And it's – so incredible to me that no one else saw this potential in him. And Brett Vila kind of just had him fall into his lap, really. He was the first guy that he had signed when he became the Illinois head coach and signed him in time to get him in uh, last year's recruiting class. We was able to enroll for this season. Really, I cannot speak enough about how big of a difference he's making as a true freshman. It's, it seems so rare um, that guys like this come around. And I, I remember there was – a few years ago, and this was before my time at WCIA, when Illinois was setting records for putting freshmen out there. That's mm-hmm. not that's not normal. Uh, Illinois has gotten back to the point where they're with the age level for their guys are, are more normal and more like other programs around the country. So they're back to guys like McRae having to step in as a freshman, that being a unique thing, because uh, we really haven't seen it with any other freshman in that class and for him the last one of the last that signed in that class is crazy to me uh but you mentioned of course you're gonna miss chase brown josh did a terrific job filling in for him like you already read the stats uh jake hansen that's that's a big loss on defense but and you could kind of see it in the in the middle of the field especially on that last drive but i thought overall for the game the linebacking core did a pretty good job alec mccarran having to step in there i mean tolson and barnes being able to uh, fill that role as well. The secondary, I thought, was pretty good. Tony Adams had an interception. Kirby Joseph, uh, also an interception, second of his career. Um, So we didn't see those guys missing, but maybe that played more of a factor into what happened on that last drive. And I know I keep going back, but that's really the big thing that happened was Illinois had the game won until the final five minutes of the game. Uh, And it's Weird to be thinking about an Illinois team losing when they only allow 13 points. Uh, but when your offense, and specifically the passing game, just isn't going, what? I believe the passing game had under 50 yards heading into halftime. I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't good. And something needs to change, Marley. I mean, heading into the next couple of weeks, because when you ha- have only 100 even, exactly 100 passing yards in a game, you're not going to win many games like that. No, I agree. And you spoke about the youth on this team, Andy, and these guys getting involved. Josh McRae, of course, like we mentioned before, 24 carries, 156 yards. But I'm looking at the receiving numbers, and Casey Washington, 31 yards. Pat Bryant, another young guy, 25 yards. Isaiah Williams, 21. I mean, this is a, a young team. No receptions for Daniel Barker. Luke Ford had one. Donnie Navarro had one, especially for a team, Andy, where there are so many super seniors, I would expect them to be contributing a little bit more, maybe 
now is the time for the new coaching staff to come in and maybe here comes this this youth movement with some of the freshmen and and sophomores but Brandon Peters 14 for 26 100 passing yards I mean, do you think he's still a, a starting quarterback, Andy? I I know Brett Bielema was asked after the game if he considered switching things up. He said no. I mean, I, I know they're trying to give Brandon a chance, but I don't know if, if this is good enough to, to win Illinois some games. What do you think? Well, I think you have to start, Marley, with who exactly else would be able to take that place. And I hate talking about, you know, it, it's great talking about the depth chart when you're talking about guys who are lower in the depth chart earning higher positions on the depth chart, not because the guy above them has been performing poorly. That's where we are with Brandon Peters right now. I know he came from Michigan, which isn't exactly known for, at least in the last decade, uh, creating really good passers. Um, and he has been in a – in a streak, in a slump, I should say, really, uh, over the past, since the season started, even last year. But maybe last year, I think, had more to do with all of COVID, and I think a lot of people are willing to throw that that season out. I am, too. Um, this looks nothing like the Brandon Peters of 2019, his first season with a team where he was able to lead them to uh, a bowl game. Uh, he had a, a pretty good one in that, showed a lot of toughness in that season and in that bowl game. And when he comes out with two performances like Maryland and now this game against Purdue, I think you are right to question whether or not he is a starting quarterback. But like I said, who's going to take his place? We saw what Art Sikowski was able to do. And I don't think it really impressed a lot of people. I can't speak for what they thought in the building. But as far as you know, where I'm seated on the sideline and watching on TV and from the press box, Art is one of those game managers and – he's not exactly going to light it up. I mean, Brandon Peters isn't either, but I don't know where you go from here. Cause when you have a game where you're just barely completing 50% of your passes last week, he didn't even get to 50% this week. It's only a hundred yards, no touchdowns. It's like, where do you go from here? They don't really have a lot of other options, Marley, unless I believe, and this is not confirmed, but, we saw Ryan Johnson, who was warming up the Division yeah. Two transfer. That was when uh, Peters had gotten hurt in that first game. So he was Sikowski's backup, passing Matt Robinson and all the other quarterbacks on this roster. So the Division Two transfer may be the other option you go with, but at what point do you pull the plug and go that route? It's just a really big question, Marley, and there's so many ways they could go with it, but there's no – definitive answers and that's been and i know that's going to be the tough part for fans because they want to have that answer at quarterback and yeah. right now illinois doesn't have those answers at that position it's it's the most important position in sports if you don't have that position solidly locked down then you're not going to do anything you're not even going to go to a bowl game if you don't have at least a competent guy in that position and right now i'm not sure if illinois has anyone to turn to for that? I would love for Brandon Peters to turn it around and go back to his 2019 form. But everything we've seen so far says that's not going to be the case this, this season. So they have a really sticky situation on their hands in, in the offensive coaching group. Yeah, and I don't want to see them pull the plug on Brandon just yet. I mean, he's been through so much, especially last season. 
having to recover from COVID and take extended time off there. He had some injuries in 2019 and then missing the first couple games this season. I'd like to see him turn it around and and be able to leave this program to success. But when you look at the other side of it, Andy, Purdue threw Aiden O'Connell in there. He went 12 for 19 and 182 yards. I mean, other teams seem to have this depth at at quarterback, it seems like. And it's just a place Illinois, I think, has struggled with for so long. But I think maybe a positive we can turn to from this game, Andy, is the secondary and you know some of those some of those takeaways lovey ball as we like to call it um <laughs> tony adams and and kirby joseph both um with an interception today and andy those were such big chances i think to switch the momentum of the game i think it could have been so different the outcome could have been uh i know the result probably would have ended up the same with an illinois loss but if Purdue ran away with it there um, with the touchdown, had Kirby Joseph not intercepted it in the second half, I think things would have looked a lot different. But for Illinois to not capitalize on that opportunity, I think is just another red flag for this team. But what do you think of of Tony Adams and, and Kirby Joseph making those big plays? Yeah, specifically starting with Kirby, if he doesn't make that play in the end zone, uh, then – like you said, same thing happened. Illinois loses. It's just over earlier. Like, they're mm-hmm. the reason why this game was even – or Illinois was even leading heading into the fourth quarter and in the fourth quarter with five minutes left. Like, and Kirby Joseph is such a great story. And we got to talk with him after the game as well. Um, he – going from where he started with the Illinois program to now, being a guy that's making really important plays in the secondary. He, I know he loves being a special teamer as well. Uh, being in the gunner spot, being able to close off uh, those sidelines for those returners. Uh, he's such a great story. Then Tony Adams, a week after not being in the starting lineup uh, in in place, or Taz Nicholson taking his place, uh, g- great for him to, to get some confidence, I think, brewing in that secondary because through the first three games of the season, I thought the secondary – was really suspect for Illinois because it seemed like Nebraska in some parts of the game and UTSA and Virginia for all parts of the game were just able to throw all over them at will. And good on them for against Maryland and now against Purdue. Being able to shut that off a little bit, I know you read the stats of what O'Connell did tonight or this afternoon, and those are still those are those are good numbers to be putting up. And maybe Illinois shouldn't be super proud of those, but from where they were to being able to take those numbers down and then also not allow them to score for a majority of the game is a really big step. And that's where those turnovers come in. I mean, if you don't get those turnovers, they score earlier, they score more often, and this game's a blowout. This game was closer because of that. They kept them in the game uh, until very late. So the secondary has really stepped up, and maybe that's the difference of having Ryan Walters on the field instead of up in the press mm-hmm. box. I don't know. That seemed, I don't know if it's correlating or it's just a happenstance. But since he moved down to the field, secondary has been playing a lot better. So we'll see if that trend continues. Um, but the secondary has stepped up big time. And without them, this game is more like a two or three touchdown difference. Yeah, absolutely, Andy. I agree. Um And, you know, it would have been great for Illinois to get this win because 
Like you mentioned, Andy, they're welcoming Charlotte to town next week. A very good Charlotte team. And from there, the road only gets more difficult for them. They have number 18, Wisconsin, at home. Then they go on the road to take on number six, Penn State. Rutgers back at Memorial Stadium. That could be a winnable game for them. Who knows? This one seemed to be a winnable game for Illinois, but couldn't get it done. Then they're on the road to take on Minnesota, Iowa, and Northwestern. There are not many winnable games left in Illinois' schedule. And I I I came into this one saying, you know, this is this is a must win for Illinois. Uh now I think Charlotte is a a must must win for them to to get back on track if they want to salvage this season cuz really Andy, I realistically could only see them winning one or two more games this season. I would like I would like for them to to surprise me, but the way that that it's looked on paper and and the way that it's been going so far, I just don't know if I'd put my money on it. Yeah, this this loss was the the end of the postseason hopes, I would say, for the season. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Warner and I in the pregame show, your line of nation pregame show, had mentioned that uh, along with you, Marley, you brought up the subject on there uh, that this was a must-win game, and, and Jeremy and I both thought that this is a a tip the scale type of game in one direction or the other. If you win, you're two and one in conference. That's one more 50, 50 game as we like to call it on this podcast uh, in, in your bag. And you have that moving forward, but with the loss, you now need to win five of your last seven to get into bowl eligibility. And I just do not see that happening. I mean, Charlotte is going to come to town and Illinois will probably be the favorite heading into that game. But I would say Charlotte probably is the better team than from what we've seen so far. Now that doesn't mean Illinois should be looked at as the, as the certain underdog or looked at like they can't win that game or shouldn't win that game. But I do think Charlotte may be a better team than than Illinois and going through the schedule. I think Rutgers is a much better team than Illinois at this point. I know uh, the Illini have a winning streak against the Scarlet Knights at this point, but Rutgers today went into the big house and only lost by a touchdown to Michigan, who's ranked in the top 25 right now. Mm-hmm. Minnesota had a stinker against Bowling Green, so maybe you're thinking on November 6th you go up to Minneapolis and maybe you can get that one. Besides that, it's Northwestern. I think Northwestern's pretty bad this year. Same with Illinois. I don't see any team, unless it's the Northern Illinois Huskies, I don't see any team going uh, from the state <laughs> of Illinois to a bowl game this season. Uh, so – Really, like you said, one or two more. I think you're right, right, nail it right on the head. There might be only two more, I would say, winnable games for Illinois, which is not what you want to hear if you're an Illini fan, and I understand. And power to you if you're listening to this podcast as an Illini fan, because if it was my team that has been smacked like that, brutal loss like that, I would want nothing to do with it. So we thank you for joining us and listening. But <laughs> we're sorry we're sorry to give our opinions that this – this may get worse before it gets better. Yeah. And I think sometimes I tend to lean on the less harsh side of things. I'm sure um, many fans would have some, some profanities and other um, things to share, but yeah, I think um, I always err on the side of optimism, but uh, Andy, we will let you go safe travels back to Champaign. 
We'll have more on our website, WCIA.com. You can listen to Brett Vilema's full post-game press conference. I mean, if you've made it this far in the podcast, might as well give it a listen because uh, provides a lot of answers. Not so sure Illinois fans are going to like them, but um, what can you do? We're Don't shoot the messenger. We're just here to, to deliver the facts. But for Andy, I'm Marley. We'll see you next time on the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast. When Charlotte comes to town, it's an 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock kickoff at Memorial Stadium. Thanks for tuning in to the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast.